0: Did you know that a tiger can defeat a lion in battle every time? Did you know that? I did not know until recently. I mean, you think of the lion being the king of the jungle, but if you have five lions, they will defeat five tigers in battle every time. You say, what happens and what's the, what made the difference? Very simply this. The lions fight together against their enemies. The tigers fight separately. And that is the blessing of unity and the curse of disunity. Years ago, the man who discipled me, I told you about him in the last message, he wanted to teach me that lesson. And uh, not forsaking the assembling and submitting myself to authority in the church and be in unity with the church, and he handed me a stick He said, break it. Well, I put it to my knees, and it broke. And the next thing, he handed me ten sticks wrapped together. He said, now break these. I couldn't. The lesson was learned. (laughs) You say, what has this got to do with the joy that you have been preaching about? A great deal. The truth be said, there can be no joy in any of our lives without unity. And this is really the message of Philippians chapter 1, beginning at verse 27, to chapter 2, verse 11. I want you to turn with me, please, to your Bibles, to that passage. We had begun a series of messages from Paul's letter or epistle to the Philippians, known as the epistle of joy. And that is why I call this series of messages, It is Contagious, Pass It On, because you can pass joy around as much as those... People can pass misery around. And the more joy we pass, the more we overcome their misery. Amen? Amen. Well, we saw in the very last message how to catch that joy. Then we saw in the second message how to keep that joy. And today, what I want to show you is how to exhibit the symptoms of joy in your life. Paul is saying that you cannot manifest joy in your life, you cannot exhibit the symptoms of joy in your life, without a unity in your life. And uh, unity is a word that's all-encompassing. There is a unity of the mind, where the mind is united and not divided. There is a unity in the home, unity in the marriage. There is unity in the church and unity among believers and believing communities. And because a person who has a divided mind... He will not, she will not experience joy. They cannot exhibit the symptoms of joy. And that is why the psalmist could pray, crying out to God, saying, Lord, unite my heart in the fear of you. Because a divided heart and a divided mind and a conflicted soul is a person who's going into two opposite directions at the same time. Have you known people have done that? Have you been there? Are you there now? Some of you may be going through that very moment. Your mind is scattered all over the place. Uh, the wars inside of you. Remind me of the story of two men who were trying to wedge a refrigerator through the door. And they strained, and they pushed, and they shoved, and, and they sweat for hours. And that fridge would not budge. Finally, one of them said, To the other, we will never get that fridge out of the door. And the other one was incensed. He said, outside, I thought you were putting it inside the house. (laughs) You see, there are divided individual lives like that. There's so much war within that they're literally going in two opposite directions. They're pulling and they're pushing all at the same time inside of them. There are homes like that, where there is homes are divided and and there's pushing and shoving. There are churches that are like that. But the question is, what does bring about this lack of unity in one's heart and mind? What does bring that lack of unity in a home? What does bring lack of unity in a community or in a church? There's only one three-letter word. Sin. Sin. That's it. Try all the psychoanalyzing that you want to try; it's fine, but you're going to come back to the bottom line: it is sin. Whether it is in the mind, in a one's life, whether it's in the home, with the church, always, always sin. Sin is the one thing that divides a mind. Sin is the one thing that divides a home, splinters it all over the place. Sin is the one thing that divides believers from each other. And when sin comes into a life, and is tolerated in one's life. Unity goes out, and with it goes the joy. When pride and selfishness and disobedience to the Word of God comes in, unity is fractured and joy is eclipsed. And that is why the apostle said in verse 27 of Philippians chapter 1, he said, whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus. Whether I come and see you or I hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, contending as one man for the faith of the gospel. Now, my beloved friends, listen. Unity of an individual mind or a home or a church can be accomplished only when sin is repented of. Unity can be restored and with it joy when sin is confessed, when sin is acknowledged, when sin is rejected, when sin is scorned, when forgiveness is gladly given and received, when bitterness in one's life is uprooted permanently out of life, when anger is overcome, and when the righteousness of Jesus Christ reigns supreme upon the heart and the mind and the will. And when that happens in a life of each individual, you're going to find that unity will come to the person and to also his and her surroundings. When repentance takes place in the life of each individual… When each person surrender to the authority of the Holy Spirit of God and to the Word of God, unity will reign supreme, and only when the flag of unity flies high on the castle of your life, you're going to discover joy inside that castle of your life. That is how you exhibit the symptoms of joy. But I'm sure some of you probably are thinking and saying, you know, maybe strife and discontentment, and, and these things really happen, the, the dissension, and will take place when there are big sins, or what we call the, the flagrant sins. You know what I'm talking about, you know, adultery, stealing, and lying. That's half the truth. Listen to me carefully, because the truth is bitterness, unforgiveness, anger, distrust, Insistence on one's own way and placing oneself above others, uh, thinking that I am better than others, all of these can cause strife, can cause disharmony just as much as the so called big sins. In fact, without jumping the gun, the real problem, we're going to see it when we get to chapter four, the real problem in the church of Philippi. There were two women there who are duking it out in the church publicly without any regard to the fact that they are about to destroy the church of Jesus Christ in Philippa, And that's what got Paul all concerned about them because they were losing their joy. And he was talking the whole time about joy and that, how that joy disappeared because of that problem. But I'll come to it later on in the series. Many times in the sports arena, a talented team can lose to a lesser talented team. The reason? The lesser talented team has learned how to play in unity, while the others want to display their individual strength. And that is why Paul said, striving together as one man. I think it was Benjamin Franklin who said, that we must all hang together, or most assuredly we all shall hang separately. But there's something else that you must understand. There's something else that you must understand. For all the believers in the Lord Jesus, you've got to understand this principle here. It's very important. Paul is talking about unity of the like-minded believers. Why is that important for you to understand? Because we live in a time... When so many churches have departed from the truth of the Bible and the truth of the Word of God, and they're trying to tell us that accepting immorality and immoral lifestyle is unity, that it is tolerance to do so. That is not the kind of unity he's preaching here. The unity he's talking about here is the unity that comes when you recognize sin, not glamorize it. It's a unity that will come when you repent of sin, not winking at it. It's a unity that will come from rejecting sin, not loving it. It's a unity that comes from forsaking sin, not accepting it. Let me illustrate this. In an old monastery near Babenhausen in Germany, you will find two pairs of deer antlers permanently interlocking together, permanently. They were found by the monks in a nearby forest, and so they brought them in and placed them there in the monastery as an incredibly important silent message. Obviously, the two were fighting so fiercely, and their horns got interlocked together and they became tangled together, and they could not disentangle their horns. As a result, both deers perished of hunger. What a silent message to individuals, to families, to homes, to churches, and yes, even to nations. Well, someone might say, do you mean to tell me unity means that I just got to get along, go along to get along Not at all. Listen carefully. When the truth is sacrificed for the sake of so-called unity, that unity is not unity at all. It's pretend. And that is why Paul goes on immediately in chapter 2, and he says, only when Christ is at the center will you know what it means to have unity of mind, unity of heart, unity of family, unity in marriage, unity in the church. Verses 1 and 2, look at them in your Bibles. Only in obedience and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ will you find true and genuine encouragement. Only then will you find true and genuine love. Only then will you find true and genuine fellowship. Only then will you find true and genuine comfort. Only then will you find true and genuine mercy and genuine compassion. Verses 1 and 2, if you have any encouragement, it is from being united with Christ. If you have any comfort, it is from His love. Any fellowship, it's with His Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. They all come from being united in obedience to Christ and His Word. And when that happens, you'll find joy, unexplainable joy even in the midst of troubling times, joy in the midst of difficult times, and when joy flies high, you will not do anything out of selfish ambitions or out of vain conceit. You will think of others before you think of yourself. You will take care of others before you take care of yourself. And someone here may ask, man, this is a tall order. How in the world can anyone do this? How do you expect anybody to be like that? (laughs) Especially in a world that has gone crazy with self-centeredness and selfishness and pride and arrogance. Even those who try to do some good and they go out of their way to help somebody or do something, and you ask them why you're doing it, they say, oh, because it makes me feel good. Here's that self again. No, 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 no only can be done in obedience to the Christ who reigns supreme in your life. So what is the answer? Listen carefully. I don't have the answer. The answer is in the Word of God. So it's in verses 5 to 11. Look at them in the Bible. Chapter 2, verses 5 to 10. Here's the answer. Let me give you a Yusuf interpretation, okay? When your attitude is the same as that of Christ Jesus. What attitude is this? He is the one being in his very nature God of very God. And yet he did not grab that which is already his, namely equality with God. But he made himself to be nothing. He took on the nature of a slave, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance to be a man. He humbled himself, and he became obedient unto death, not just any old death, but the death of the cross, which is the worst death of all. My friend, listen to me. This is what Christianity is all about. Those few words is what Christianity is all about. This is what the Christian faith is all about. Christian faith is not about dogma. It's not about lists of do's and don'ts. It is not about rituals. It's not about buildings. It's about the king of the universe who left the heavenly throne dressed up as a homeless person to live in a homeless shelter for a time so that he may deliver all the homeless who want to be delivered by him and be taken up to his very throne room. That's what the Christian faith is all about. That's what Christianity is all about. And when you have this attitude of Christ Jesus, not grabbing onto what is yours, and, and, and I know that people are doing that now because they're fearful about what is coming around the corner, what's the future, and they're grabbing for what is theirs instead of loosely holding it and say, God, you give and you take away. In fact, the book of Haggai says those people who are constantly grabbing like this, they are like people with pockets that has holes in it. The more they accumulate, the more it falls out. But follow the attitude of Christ Jesus. Not grabbing hold of what you got, but let it go. And only then will you experience joy unspeakable. When God came from heaven, people expected Him to come in power and splendor. But that would have made Him unapproachable. They thought that God should come in dazzling light. But that would have blinded them. When people expected God to come from heaven, they thought He would come and be in a high-walled castle. (laughs) But that would have kept them away from Him. But the Bible said that the Son of God had nowhere to lay His head. And He owned nothing, not even the clothes that He was wearing. The Creator and the owner of the universe did not even own a donkey. He had to borrow one to enter Jerusalem on it. Not because he couldn't, but because he wouldn't. He chose to do that so that he could say, come unto me, come unto me, all you who are troubled in heart and mind and soul, come unto me, all who are weary under heavy burdens, come unto me, and I am the only one who can give you rest. Only Jesus could have made that statement. Let me ask you a question. If a king chooses To put on an inmate's uniform and go to spend time in the prison with the inmate, would he cease to be a king? He does not cease to be a king. And Jesus did not cease to be divine when he came to earth. A lot of people running around saying, well, Jesus gave up his divinity. He did not give up his divinity. Oh, he surrendered the splendor and the power and all that would come with his divinity. He gave that up for a time in order that he may demonstrate his divine power. And it is by his divine power that he overcame nature. He exercised it over diseases and sickness. He exercises over Satan. He exercised his divine power over death. And by His divine power, He put on a human uniform and became one of us. He never committed a crime. He did no wrong. He did not deserve to be there. He was perfect and sinless in every way. The only one who ever lived was sinless but He chose to enter into our world and become one of us so that He may deliver all of us who would come to Him, believe in Him, surrender to Him, that He may deliver us and take us out of our prison cells of of sin and guilt and misery, and He deliver us into the freedom of His Father. That is Christianity 101. I was reflecting upon this. This week, I said, if I was Jesus, I wonder what I would have done. Here's what I would have done. I said, Father, let's have another plan. Let's just have another plan. That would not require me leaving the splendor of heaven. Before eternity, He was there in the splendor of heaven. It's for whom and through whom all of the galaxies and the universes were created. I don't want to go all the way down and live with these miserable people. I mean... (laughs) Praise God that Jesus did not do that. He could have said, I don't want to redeem them with the shedding of my blood to satisfy the justice of heaven. Because the Bible said without shedding of blood, there can be no redemption in the book of Deuteronomy. And so for nearly 2,000 years, God's people were sacrificing animal after another, and yet the shedding of that blood was not permanently removing sin, was not permanently forgiving sin. They have to come back the next year and do it all over again. But Jesus came and shed His own perfect blood on the cross so that He, whoever accepts Him, that blood redeemed... That blood atone, and that blood will take people to heaven. Amen. Paul said he would not grab for that which is his. That's what the word literally means: grabbing. He wasn't a grabber. He said, "Father, I'll go down. I pay. I pay for their sins." He really came down so that He might lift us up. That is what sets Christianity apart. You see, everybody talks about all religions are the same, all religions have the same value. No, 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 you don't understand. Christianity is not a religion. Religion, by definition, is man striving to know God, to serve God, to please God. They're frightened of their gods, but the Bible said that God came down to us and that makes it not a religion. It's a relationship with the only one who paid the price of your rebellion, your rebellion and my rebellion. If you have never comprehended the enormity, the enormity of God's sacrifice in the payment of the price of your sin and my sin begin today. Listen, I'm not inviting you to a religion. I'm not inviting you to a church. I'm not inviting you for, to perform some rituals. But I'm inviting you to come to the person. The person who is God of very God became man of very man. The one whose love has baffled the minds of men and women for nearly 2,000 years. So much so that they cannot accept it. They feel they have to reject it. It is too good to be true that by faith, Today, you can come, confess your sins, and Jesus can give you eternal life and receive that forgiveness here and for eternity. That attitude of Christ Jesus compelled him to give up all that was his. What have you given up for him? And that is why the Bible said he was highly exalted. By His resurrection, He was exalted. By His ascension, He was exalted. By His exaltation, He was exalted. By His coronation, He was exalted. And just because you can't see Him, and you can't see that exaltation, which is taking place in the heavens right now, just because you can't see it with your physical eyes, doesn't mean it's not happening. Oh, but listen, here's what He said. He said, one day you will. And I pray to God that it's not too late. Because it could be too late if you do not give your life to Jesus Christ today. It could be too late when you don't confess to Him your sins today and receive His forgiveness today. Jesus, because of His obedience to the Father... He has been given the highest ranking over all of the created beings. So much so that every created being will bow down to Him. The created beings in heaven, the angels. The created being on the earth. Every human being who ever lived on the face of the earth. The created being, the fallen angels, the demon below the earth. All will bow to Jesus in the day of judgment. You can't see it now, but you will. "...the believers will gladly and joyfully bow to Him, but those who have rejected Him will mournfully and sorrowfully bow down to Him. On that last day when Christ's splendor is manifested for all to see, the believers in Jesus will gladly worship Him in adoration, but those who refuse to believe in Him, they will also bow down to Him too." But in anguish, it's in agony, it's in regret that they have not accepted His gift of salvation when they could. In fact, that's what makes hell hell, is the living in regret. It's eternity, therefore it's never finishing, never ends. The believers will gladly praise His holy and majestic name, And let me tell you something, believers, if you're having a hard time praising the name of God, you're going to have a hard time in heaven. Let me tell you, God does not have a little corner for the frozen chosen, (laughs) for those who have a hard time praising Him. But we'll be praising Him around the throne room of God, while the non-believers will be watching in pain and agony and suffering from Hades. And they'll be saying to themselves, I wish I had responded to His kind invitation. I wish I had received His gracious forgiveness. I wish I had believed in His name. I wish I had listened to His voice. I wish I didn't silence His voice when He spoke to me through friends and through family members and through His Word. And they will spend all of eternity in the torment of regret. It will be too late. But the time is now. The hour is now. The moment is now. Why don't you accept His invitation now? Why don't you receive His forgiveness now? Why don't you respond to His love and mercy now while you can? Why don't you come to Him confessing your sins and your inability to save yourself? And He promised, the moment you do that, He'll forgive you all of your sins, past, present, and future. Don't put it off. You don't know whether you will live another day. You don't know. You don't know whether you will have another opportunity to believe in Him, or you may face Him as your judge. The time is now. The moment is now. Have this attitude which was in Christ Jesus. What attitude? Humility. Obedience. Surrender, and only then can you experience unity that brings joy to your life, to your surroundings, in your home, in your marriage, in your church, and wherever you may be. Will you do that today? Shall we pray together? Our loving Father, what a great God You are. You're patient, You're merciful, You're persevering, and You wait, and You give us one more opportunity to hear the truth. And Father, we are privileged to hear Your Word again, not from a man. A man can mess it up, but from Your Word, Your Bible. And Father, I pray for every individual here, those who have doubts, those who are unsure, those who are uncertain, those who are rejecting You without knowledge, without even knowing how loving You are those who have accused you of all sorts of things, Father, I pray for them today, that they will come, repent of their sin, receive you, and experience the joy unspeakable. And Father, for all the believers who know you, those who have lost their joy, those who have allowed sin to come into their life and, and eclipse the joy that comes from a unity of mind, a unity of heart, and a unity of a home and a, and a church, Father, I pray that today you will restore the joy of your salvation. Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.